Welcome to the For Those Who Inquire podcast. I'm your host, Edward Marlowe, and uh, Neil Bradley's here with me, man. Had, did you find the signs to get here? I did. <laughs> I did. There were, there were signs up, and uh, uh, we're going to have a new part of the show where weekly we will either assign blame or give credit. And this week we're going to give credit to the dishwasher credit who played a large do. role yes. in getting the Wayfair fair signs up. And they look gorgeous. They're all, they're all over. How many of them are there? They're Wayfair, all over Wayfinding. You know, I is would it actually, What is it? Wayfinding? I like Wayfair. I don't know They're what technically it is. Wayfinding signs. Wayfinding. That's but, what it is. Wayfinding. I, li- I like Wayfair. I don't know. That's awesome, actually. Like, they're now Wayfair, Wayfair signs. Wayfair. Like, it sounds like a right. you're navigating the, the uncharted seas. Yeah. And that's where we're headed. Well, first of all, it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, thanks to the dishwasher, who, by the way, has been working eight years uh, on getting those signs. Well, she did a great dirt. job painting. Did you just finish painting them this week? Uh, <laughs> it took eight years to paint it, them all. It, well, it's a lot of signs and yeah, a lot of is. things and stuff like that. And it also is the new entrance signs to the city. Yeah. Those oh, really? So I haven't been outside of town yet. So uh, <laughs> Spoiler. I'm, I'm, <laughs> oops. But I will be going outside of town Saturday. When, so, you, uh, when you return, uh, I'll have a look. G- like, glean upon nice. the... You'll see them. Now, the only, and this isn't really negative, but as I mentioned to my wife when we went to dinner tonight, uh, we were heading uh, north out of town, and uh, right by, uh, on the right side of the street is an arrow pointing CFSB Center. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't Can't really see it until, oh, okay, it's, way, it's kind of over there. Mm-hmm. But the other one points to Stewart Stadium, which is right across the street. Mm-hmm. And if you need that sign to go to Stewart Stadium, don't go to Stewart Stadium. Just keep driving. Mm-hmm. We don't want you at Stewart Stadium. If you're confused. If you really need a sign to know where Stewart Stadium is at that point. If you're, Further yeah. back up the street, yeah. it's a great sign to have. Oh, I wonder absolutely. where Stewart Stadium is. Arrow, oh, no, it's up this way. It's up this. But, yeah, once it's to the left, <laughs> oh. that big thing there. That's the stadium. Yeah, if you're confused at that big and brick if you don't, of concrete, what is that? Keep driving. Yeah. Go on. Go to go on to Austin P where you belong. So. <laughs> you're not a <laughs> man. Speaking of Austin P, Terry Taylor had such a great season uh, in the NBA. Uh, we've discussed that. We'll discuss that at another time. I'm okay. anxiously awaiting right. his basketball card to arrive. Uh, well, kudos so on the signs. It. I wanted to. Yes, I'm going to go. Back. I'm going back to the signs. You just mentioned Austin P, and I just started thinking about. The end of the regular NBA basketball season. We're now in the playoffs, but yes, kudos to the signs. Uh, again, I do want to mention. I, I, I'd be I'd be remiss. I'm not just saying this for brownie points. Um, I'm I'm uh, I'm thrilled. You're saying I, it for raisinette points. Yeah, raisinette points. Thank you. Raisinette points. That's that's technically product placement. If I'm it, saying it is. Hey, I've got uh, the right. Appreciate a few. I've got the raisinettes because uh, I'm prepared for the movies this weekend. We got Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That's, uh, yeah, that's what my grandsons tell me. I'm not a big Doctor Strange fan. They're going to Clarksville Friday night to watch it in some sort of thing. It has recliners and I don't know what the heck. Oh, are they doing IMAX or? Well, it's no. not technically IMAX. It's whatever like Dolby their Surround. version of it is. Yeah. It's it's IMAX without being IMAX. Yeah, sure. It's going to be awesome. I uh, got some friends going to IMAX on Saturday, but, we, but we've got the citywide yard sale, so we're going to be oh, okay. going to be we're going Friday night. We're going tomorrow. So right. as as we record here, good luck going into. I know I can't wait, man. The it looks good. The the um, the signs really point us in a great direction because the signs do point to a lot of different it, sports venues yes. all over campus. It's it's crazy, to, and all over Murray. There's all sorts of different wayfinding signs for Murray. Mm-hmm. What's so cool about it is uh, you're going to have some new Missouri Valley visitors. You know, they'll need them. They'll need them. Hopefully not for the football stadium, but for everything else, yes. <laughs> you're not wrong. So you can't miss the stadium. I agree with you. 
Uh, it's right across from the Cracker Barrel. Can't miss it. Now, down the street, you need those signs, but right across, maybe not. Yeah. It's but it's right there, it's awesome. but it, it is funny. It is that I didn't think about that when I first saw it, but you make a great point. If that confuses you, perhaps football's not the sport for you. <laughs> We've completely gone off the rails, but let's not. You know that that's just a given. You know we we uh you know we digress. Clearly, uh, Neil, we can't even take a break in podcasting. We have to because real life happens. We can't podcast every single day. Wish we could, but. Um, you know, in the last 10 days, I think, 10, 11 days, you and I podcasted there at the end of April, just mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And we'd already addressed the fact that Quincy Anderson and Kenny White uh, were recent commits of Murray State men's basketball. Yeah. Uh, we'd already gotten some indications on where the Murray State men's basketball schedule was as far as, like, some, some possibilities maybe that mm-hmm. had been thrown out there. Uh, we knew that a roster was coming along. We knew that a staff was coming along. And now there seems to be we, – we knew this was going to happen, but now just in this 10-day time period, this 10- to 14-day time period, we've had a schedule come into focus, some non-conference games. We've had the staff officially announced, which it is who we thought it was going to be, and we've had three commitments to the Murray State men's basketball program. And I'll, we'll break them down here in just a moment, but I wanted to list them out super quick. I've got a nice little notepad here. Rob Perry of Stetson. We'll get to him in a minute. Jamari Smith of Queens, which I idiotically, for some strange reason, tweeted out Jamari Davis. I had like an autocorrect. It was ridiculous. And then Jacoby Wood of Belmont, who many yeah. fans I like uh, it. of Murray State men's basketball are going to know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and again, like I said, the staff has been announced. I, I want to get into these commits because you've got five scholarships left. Rob Perry, Jamari Smith. I mean, it's a lot of points. It's a lot of rebounds. I've got stats up here. Uh, here's Does the, Rob use Rob or Robin? His name's I, Robin. So, so, so his Stetson Hatters account, yeah. his his name says Rob Perry. Gotcha. His Twitter says Robin Perry. I yes. If he's Robin, oh, we got to have a Batman. We got to have somewhere. a Batman somewhere I, in there. I totally agree. Like, I gotta get excited. But if he so, doesn't want to be called Robin, right. I'm not calling him Robin. So Rob's so, fine. So real quick, Rob Perry, guard, six four, two ten, continues to be a theme for racer recruitment right uh, now. Yep. Got some good size coming in, uh, at least at the guard position. Do believe he's going to have two years of eligibility. I may be wrong there. Um, Orlando, Florida native. And, uh, oh, he was the ASUN player uh, freshman of the year. Uh, and for the last, excuse me, for the for the last two and a half years, he's basically just shot the piss out of the three. It's really the best way I can explain it. it this, this dude can score. I strongly suggest looking at all three of these guys' tapes, by the way. Uh, it's really, really, you can YouTube all of them. They, they've got some tape out there. But here's the thing about Perry. Neil, his freshman year, he played 33 minutes a game. He shot 44% from the field, 43% from three. He shot as well from three as he did from the field. Uh Shot 70% from the free throw line, averaged five rebounds a game. 15.1 points per game. Led Stetson in scoring. Sophomore year, 27 games. Led Stetson in scoring. 14.4 points per game. Also about two, almost three assists and uh, four and a half rebounds a game. Then this last year, 14 games, an unfortunate injury at the midway point of his season. Again, was shooting about 35, 36% from three, 88% from the free throw line. 
and almost 16 points a game. Yeah, I saw that. 88%. I like that. Yeah. Like good free throw shooter. Good size, good free throw shooter, guy that's going to get there. Oh, and by the way, was averaging almost six rebounds a game. Wow, and that's at Rob. The, at the guard position. That's Rob Perry. Okay. Yeah. The, the, do, you, do you know the most famous basketball player to play at Stetson? I don't. You don't? I'm, I'm, I don't. Tell me. Ted Cassidy. Why, why? I don't know. Why? Why do I? Why am I supposed to know that? He played Lurch in the Adams family. No way. Yes. And when you walk into the gym there at Stetson, which I've done a tournament there, two games that the racers were in, it's a uh, Ted Cassidy thing. I, I think it might have his jersey or a picture of him in his jersey hanging there as you walk in. It did have when I Neil, was there. Neil, that is an awesome there you go. piece of trivia. That's it. That is terrific. Ted Cassidy. That's one of those things like you just told me that. I'm not going to forget that. <laughs> Ted Cassidy, Lurch, most famous Stetson player of all time. Well, most famous I know. Someone yeah. will go, what about so-and-so who's in the NBA? Like, well, so, I don't know. They've probably got an NBA player. I have no idea. That's... Wow. I'm wow, that's awesome. Well, maybe Rob Perry will be the second. He most could famous. be. He could be the second. You never know. When you average that, I mean he's already scored a thousand points in college. I, I, I like I like the signees that they, they have uh brought in so far. I mean, I don't know anything about them. And here's the thing that you don't know. Uh what is that from a chemistry to? standpoint? Sure. Will this team gel and uh, work together or will it not? And that's that's the thing that the coaches don't know. Uh, you know, you have kind of a, a new staff and they're in a new environment, but uh, I sure like uh, the, the the raw stats on some of these guys for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at numbers. I mean, you have a Jamari Smith is an All American out of Queens, D two All American. He was their conference player of the year this past season. Uh, matter of fact, they probably should have played for a D two championship, but they lost to Augusta. And who, by the way, this is crazy. Uh, Jamari Smith played against. Uh, Jaquez Kirby, who was really, really good for Augusta this year, and Augusta made the D2 championship game. Uh, and Kirby had a terrific year. So, you know, congrats to a former racer, you know, who who had a terrific season with uh, Augusta. But you go to Jamari Smith, his numbers are absolutely terrific. 6'8 forward, he's really a forward guard, Jonesboro, Jonesboro Georgia native. Uh, do believe he's either going to have two or three years of eligibility. I'm not sure how that works from the D2 transfer status, but he's de- his past year as a sophomore, I mean, his two seasons at Queens, Neil, I mean, um, hang on, I'm pulling those up right now. Absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he averaged 13 points a game. Yeah, here we go. He averaged 13 points a game, almost 14 points a game as a freshman. 19, 20, 20, 21. Um, and then I'm looking here at his game by game stats from this past season. He averaged, you know, he averaged almost 17 points, almost 18 points a game, and and a little over seven rebounds. He shot 40 percent from three and 51 percent from the field. <coughs> and again, you know, at the at at that level, at that D2 level, yeah. first of all, Queens is Queens is D1 now. Yes, they're they're right. headed D1. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I think they do, do. They already their baseball team I think is going D1 this year. I believe so. And then the rest of their conf, rest of their teams are going. I digress. They are. He's good. He's he's real. Yes. At least at his level. Um, he's also Neil. I was notified of this. Found it very interesting. He's a cousin of one Jabari Smith, who you saw firsthand at Auburn. Yes. They they are very close, very tight cousins. Okay. So I think that's kind of there's there's some familial 
basketball skill here. So I'm not saying he's Jabari Smith. I'm saying there's certainly a lot of talent here. Okay. He showcased that at the D2 level. We'll see how that translates to Murray State. But I love his size. My gosh, and go look at his tape. Kid can stroke it from three. Yeah. And again, it's 6'8", yeah. 220. Oh, that's... Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great get. That's uh, fun. Good size and can score at three levels. It's uh, it's big. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, too. His free throw <coughs> shooting this year, 74%. Took 180 free throws. There you go. You'll take, you'll take it. That's that's absolutely... Big man in the mid-70s, that's pretty good. 71 offensive rebounds uh, in 34 games. So you're averaging almost two offensive rebounds. Yeah, and he, he may, may, may be tough to get that with DJ out there. DJ <laughs> doesn't like people getting offensive rebounds. He does not. Not a, not a big fan of that. <laughs> and then and then we go to Jacoby Wood, Neil, and you know we know how good he was his freshman year. It's amazing. He, he was still Belmont's sixth, sixth highest scorer this year. Played in 32 of 33 games. He played their sixth most amount of minutes. This season, averaged almost 20 minutes a game. Um, they went, you know, Belmont went 25 and eight. He shot 41% from the field, 33% from three. Uh, took the fourth most amount of threes on their team this year. He shot 76% from the free throw line. He averaged 2.1 rebounds. He still had 70 assists. He had 26 steals, and he averaged almost six and a half points a game. That obviously was a big dip from his freshman season. It was. But his role also changed from yes. the freshman season. So I'm not sure what any of that means. Right. I just know Jacoby Wood has transferred from Belmont, and as a point guard, he's chosen Murray State. I find that extremely interesting and riveting, quite frankly. As a freshman, when I saw him play as a freshman, I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to deal with this dude for three more years uh, after that. And uh, it wasn't as good this year, and I don't know the reason. Uh, as you said, likely his role – because he sure looked good his freshman year. I thought this is a kid that by the time he's a junior, he's going to be your 15, 18-point-a-game guy. And who knows, maybe at the outset, later down the road, could be a 20-point-per-game guy. Loved everything about him, what he did. Just dreaded having to go up against him. Now we can root for Jacoby. I like uh, I like the, the – I think that's a tremendous get. And I know he'll have mixed feelings when he goes up against uh, the Bruins. I'm sure the first time that, that's part of it. But well, look uh, at what Jordan Skipper Brown had to feel. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, uh, those with, were his dudes. Uh, not many. I think he said he only played with two of those guys. Okay. And then one of them was hurt that night. So okay. uh, the night that we played him, at least up there. So it didn't impact. Him it as didn't much. impact him as much because I asked him. Look, he said, "Well, mostly on the bus ride, he sat behind me on the bus uh, throughout the season, and uh, he just said that." Not that big a deal. Uh, coach wasn't there. Uh, most of the players were different guys, and so it wasn't that big a deal for him. You you go back to Jacoby Woods' freshman year. I, I mean, we we kind of got a little sidetracked there on what it's like to go up against your guys. But you know, I'm not going to say Belmont had a down season. I guess maybe oh, in no, the, no, they did not. They, you went 25 and eight. You went 15 and three. You were the NIT representative. Tough, some tough losses late, mm-hmm. um, some tough road losses especially. Uh, I think probably the 30-point loss against Murray certainly lingered uh, later on in the season and just never really were able to recollect after that. But you take a look at Jacoby Woods' role just even as things petered out toward the end of the season. He played 18 minutes against Moorhead in the first round of, uh, or against Moore, in the semifinal round, their first round of the, of the OVC tournament, and then played – you know, 10 minutes in the NIT first round. And as a sophomore, you wonder, that's probably the time. The NIT game is probably the one where it's like, well, let's get more minutes. You know, if you're going to be a building block moving forward, where are you Mm -hmm. going with that? He didn't play much. And uh, he had had a tough game against Vanderbilt, and and, uh, and then their season ended there. So 
they had lost three of their last four, and uh, including the loss to Murray. So it's just one of those situations where, I mean, I love the get. I mean, it, w- what he can do. I do too. I mean, you're right. He averaged 11 points per game, shot 45% from the field his freshman year, averaged two assists, two rebounds. I mean, if he averages 11, 2, and 2 yeah. for Murray State in any of his years he's here. And his role will be different at Murray State yeah. because Belmont plays a different style than the Racers do. So it'll be a different role completely. I had somebody text me today. Is that the first interconference, interconference transfer in Murray State history, it's like a double interconference. Like it would have been Ohio Valley. Now it's now it's Missouri Valley. Like, well, Murray's never changed conferences right. before. Well, it's our first one in the Missouri Valley, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, it's wild. Although they haven't played, he hasn't played in the Missouri Valley. It's so. crazy. It's kind of weird. Would, I don't know how you define it, but it's, it's a transfer nonetheless. Uh, yeah. And the racers are certainly going to experience hopefully his growth right. uh, and his uh, his his uh, development as a guard. You look at what you have with those three guys points-wise, a little more than 17 points per game from Jamari, a little more than 15, 16 points per game from Rob, and a little more than seven points per game just from this last season. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's that's 30 points per game. Yeah. That's pretty solid. That's well, I mean uh, – and, and two of them at the D1 level. And you got – you know, get White from Tech. I mean, we have two guys that were getting from the OVC, taking the Missouri Valley Conference, mm-hmm. and – it's the hot league. I mean, the SEC is going after all sorts of OBC players. I think they've got four that I know of league-wide. Yeah. And uh, they'll, it'll play big roles. So, obviously, it's the hot place to get them. And I think we got two good ones in white and wood. It's a great place for you to I'm, – I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because you have K.J. Williams, who we know really, really well. Right. I wish him nothing but the best as the former OBC player of the year. Gave Murray State four terrific sure years. Did. He's headed to LSU. Potentially a Hall of Famer. He's going to have some credentials. It'll certainly merit a look for sure. So you have that conversation. You've mentioned other OVC players. You have Janai Broom, who's now committed to yep. Auburn. Oh, great. So now we're going to have KJ versus Janai again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, it's, you think about it, it's there. Yeah. It's going to happen. Those two are just locked for life, I feel like. Then you have Janai might have a little bit more firepower going for him this year. Uh, he might. You know, You're not wrong. He might. Might have a little bit more. <laughs> going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. The old Dave Winderism. But um, you have, you have. Uh, it's uh, Eric Reed transferred from Semo to uh, Missouri, Mississippi State. Is that right? That uh, might be. You were talking about OVC to SEC. And Juice Hill. And then Juice Hill. But I'm just saying, like, Seamus. But, I mean, there's, like, five guys in. I forgot about him. Eric Reed. I'm going to double-check that. We're here live. But I'm almost certain Eric Reed transferred from SEMO. Sure did. Eric Reed. SEMO to Mississippi State. There you go. There's there's five, then. And the crazy thing is, I thought Eric Reed was going to be the next building block for SEMO. And then don't forget Wendell Green, who was an OVC transfer. True. Started on the SEC regular season champions for Auburn. Yeah. So if someone says, well, you're not going to be able to. Well, <laughs> be a tough time telling Auburn that because he's going to get a championship ring this year as the starting point guard at yeah. Auburn. So, yeah, yeah it, will. If you're if you're good, you're good. And if you're not, you're not. That's kind of the way that works. Yeah, it doesn't matter where you're playing. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. There has been some OVC talent over the years that has gone and found success elsewhere. Some of it's come from SEMO. Some of it's come from Belmont. Some of it's come from here. Kunkel, uh, you know, two years ago transferred to Xavier, and yeah. now he's fixing to re-up for another year under Sean Miller. So, <coughs> I mean, there's definitely been 
OVC talent that can go and play at the next level. And uh, we're going to get to see some of that firsthand this next season, you know, and, yeah. and how it all plays out. So the scheduling for Myrtle Beach, I'm not going to go ahead and break this down. As we get closer to the tournament, um, I definitely want to break it down, almost like play for play, because we'll know rosters a little bit more. But you take a look at, at the Myrtle Beach Invitational, Neil, that's been announced in the last two weeks. And, oh my gosh. Like, doesn't, doesn't, well, first of all, it's a beach. But second of all, beach ish. Let's be ish. honest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. be honest. My my mistake. You're what? Twenty minutes away from Myrtle Beach. Yeah. I mean, you got to. If you'd have to rent a car, drive twenty minutes to get to the beach. Hashtag first world problems. Back. Unbelievable. So Murray State men's basketball is going to be playing alongside these teams in the in the Myrtle Beach Invitational, Neil. And by the way, thank you, Missouri Valley Conference. That's the reason we're in this tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Go, I, ahead. Go ahead. No. 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 You absolutely. Send out your thank yous and your overtures because this is a freaking phenomenal field. Um, you have, along with Murray State, you have Boise State, Loyola Chicago, Texas A&M, Tulsa, UMass, Charlotte, and Colorado. Who's the stinker? I, I mean, among that group. I mean, I don't there know. There isn't one. <laughs> Tulsa, Tulsa, if I'm not mistaken, just hired Eric Conkle. I mean, they, that's some teams now. That put up some big numbers last year. Yeah, Eric Kunkel from Ella, from from Texas. Yeah, from from uh, La Tech. I mean, what did Tulsa do last year? That's maybe the. I thought they had a good season. Um, I thought they had a really good season. Yeah, out of the American, they did not. They oh, went. They did not. They went eleven and twenty. Oh, 11 and twenty. All right, but they so, just hired Eric Conkle. Gotcha from La Tech. So, but I mean. They had a couple of big wins gotcha. out of the American, but they did not have a successful season. I'd say, quote from a if you're if we're talking immediate recency bias, immediate recency bias, that's got to be the only quote stinker. But that's a terrific, terrific field. What did the Charlotte Forty ers do? Uh, we're just doing this live. F it. I'm just curious. So they went seventeen and fourteen last year in conference USA uh, 10 and 8 in conference play. So, I mean, it's not really a bad field because then you have Texas A&M, which correct me if I'm wrong, they played for the NIT championship and lost on a heartbreaker uh, when Jack Nungy hit the game winner. Is that right? I think that's right. I think I'm almost certain that that's what happened there. Boise State was an NCAA tournament fi- I, I knew they were. T- uh, Loyola Chicago, UMass just hired Frank Martin. Holy Manoli, that's freaking awesome. Uh, and then you have the Racers, and Colorado was an NCAA tournament team. Yeah. Is that right? Colorado was an NCAA tournament team. Is that right? I think so. I just keep searching these now because it's just so much change. Yeah, but, twenty. Yeah, they went 25 and 6. Yeah, yeah. they were in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Tulsa, I think I was – their women's team, they went to the WNIT. They weren't great, but I think it won 17, 18 games. Thought, I thought they went to postseason. It was the women, not the men. Colorado State went twenty five and six. Not Colorado. Gosh, I'm such a goober. Okay, but I'm here. I'm looking it up anyways because we're just doing it. Tad Boyle's their coach, by the way. Why not? I mean, Colorado's terrific. Here we go. Yeah, Colorado went twenty one and twelve, and they went to the NIT. Colorado State's the team that went to the NIT. There's still a lot of good still, teams. Oh, I mean, they were NIT first round. They went twelve and eight in the Pac twelve, uh, and went twenty one and twelve. I mean, Tad Boyle's won no less than seventeen games in the last. Ten years. I mean, just 
just you Frank Martin is going to be in this tournament like Steve Prohm is going to be in this tournament and whatever roster they put together Loyola Chicago with Valentine and that team is going to be in the Super Bowl. I mean Boise State was like awesome in the Mountain West last year it's just crazy how good this tournament is you and I have talked so many times over the last 10 years Neil about how if the racers could just play in this really cool MTE, it would be great. And there have been some opportunities in the past. Yeah, they've had many in the past. Many, yeah. many. And I'm not I'm not besmirching any tournament they've ever been in because they've always played in some pretty good fields. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, man, can you just get in that field where it's just like all eight teams are going to be fun and all eight teams have great storylines. I feel like this has that chance. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. So I just... That's really the only thing that's shaken up from the schedule perspective. I mean, we right. know there's some back ends of contracts. And they want to announce that bracket. I think they're announcing it in the summer. I don't know when, but sometime in the summer they'll announce the bracket. You don't play Western until the next year, if I'm not mistaken. That's 23-24. Yeah. Kind of wish it was this year because Stansberry's got a nice roster going in his way. Uh, although Jamari and Sharp did just hit the portal. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, everything's going to be a lot different a year from now anyways. Who knows? Who who knows? Who knows where everybody's going to be next year? It's going to be crazy. But uh, staying with this season, you've got the back end of some contracts. I'm curious how they figure out the SIU scenario more than anything. I, I mean, because now you're a conference opponent. You don't need yeah, them in the non-conference. There's all sorts of issues on all that stuff. We had Missouri State as non-conference opponents for two football games down the road. and. I mean, that's not, not now. Uh, probably, probably not now. I guess you could play him with a nine, but I don't think they'll they'll do something else there. I'm sure. Yeah, unless there's always been that rumor, or at least there has been for the last year or two, that Missouri State's wanting to. Well, if yeah, you yeah, know, if they're around. I guess we'll wait wait and see on that. Maybe. Yeah, but it's a down the road. It's nothing anytime soon. Yeah, it's 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 just interesting to mention that I'm just trying to think of what we may have known six months ago or even three months ago from a non-conference men's basketball and even women's right. basketball perspective. And those things kind of have to wiggle out. I mean, women's basketball can't play Indiana State now. You know, that's that's been – Evansville's been a common opponent in non-conference basketball right. for women. Can't do that now. You know, so now all of a sudden you got to get a little more creative. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. It technically means you probably can look at some OVC opponents, some mm-hmm. familiarity there. You and I have talked about that that could be a positive thing. Keeps in more D1 opponents. But again – Interesting situation from a scheduling perspective. How do you actually fit in those types of opponents now when you're in the Missouri Valley? I think it's a chance that it could lead to some more interesting, tougher non-conference opponents in multiple sports. I could be wrong there. But when you're starting to look at RPI, now all of a sudden the Missouri Valley tag, as opposed to the OVC tag, maybe, I don't know, entices some other opponents. I would think it would. To open the door. Uh Still, it's it's a tough place to get to Murray. So uh, they got if you can get them where they could land at the airport there, as long as they can land their planes there, the, you, it's not that bad. But uh, that's the big key. Wanted to talk really quickly as Murray State women's basketball. As we continue to transition here and, and uh, talk about a lot of different things. You have Murray State women's basketball. I, I, unless I'm, my math is wrong. I, I think their roster is set because they just recently landed, and I don't know if we've talked too much about her just yet, but I'm willing to mention it again. I want to I want to get her name right because she is from Hungary. Uh, Frusina Horvath. It may be Horvath, but I think it's Horvath. 
from St. Francis, Brooklyn. Uh, Budapest. She's from Budapest, Hungary. 5'11 sophomore can score. Period. That, that's that's what I see. She can play. She shot 43% from the field last year. St. Francis went 13-5 and in their conference, the NEC. She averaged 11.5 points per game, 5.4 rebounds per game. And then the year before that, she averaged almost 13 points a game and six rebounds and a little bit more of an expanded role. She played 32 total Division I games over the last two years, and she's got good size and can score. Mm-hmm. Don't know if the NEC translates to the Missouri Valley, but she helps. Yeah. I love it. Looks like a good roster. Uh, returning experience with uh, the Murray High girls that decided they're coming back. And yeah. I'm telling you, that's uh, it's. It, I think it's going to be a fun team to watch again. And, and Caitlin Young. Okay, don't don't forget <laughs> uh-huh. her. Hard to My forget goodness. her. Goodness. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to. Uh, You've got the hyphenator who might be healthy. Yeah. And Bria Sanders Woods. Yeah. I, I just I don't know if the I I would have to think we're sitting at, it's it's the first week of May right now I would think that who's going to stay is right. staying like we're 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 locked in I, again I could be wrong but I don't I don't think so so if this is if this is Rochelle's roster outside of trying to a coach to replace mm-hmm. you know a, a Dobo to replace Wyatt Faust you know who's now departed to, to Buffalo I just I love it. I, I don't. I don't really have a bad thing to say about it. I mean, she, I mean, how do you? I mean, I'm sure there's things you got to work on, and I'm sure there's chemistry in the summer, and you want to get tougher, and you want to build on that next building block. But tough part is that OVC history is done with, so now you got to start building new history in the Missouri Valley. Well, do you just really come in and say, "All right, we're going to win the Missouri Valley"? I don't know if that's a fair uh, thing to say. I don't know enough about the talent in the league right now. I I know sure. I, I if I had to ballpark guess. And I'll write it down even now just to see. I would say that Murray State women's basketball, as the roster sits right now, comes in top five, top five. Oh, I, I, yeah, I yeah. 100% agree on that. I did look at the rosters last year enough to know that as to whether they could contend. I don't know who's bringing who back. Right. That I don't know. But, uh, we'll yeah, more. they're not going to be uh, picking crumbs down at the bottom or no. nowhere near there. They're no. just not going to. No. They, if, if they are, it'll be a lot of health issues that cause that. Yeah. And as long as there's not, they're not going to have that problem. It's it's just it's interesting. Uh, I mean, you have this piece here, and, and again, we saw this last season. You know, Rochelle really kind of turned, I thought, at least it looked like it later on, you narrowed the roster down a little bit, trimmed down the rotation, but there were a lot of games that there was unique opportunity mm-hmm. to play nine and even ten, and that there was a, a lot of mixing in of the talent so that way they were getting considerable minutes. And I'm not talking like double digits, but eight, nine right. minutes. Let's get you in. Let's get you some D1 experience. Let's see how this goes. One and, thing she has to do this year, that the heir apparent to Macy has to be on this team. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that is, but they need to be on the team. And, wow, what a mentor they're about to have. But uh, when Macy uh, clears her final year of eligibility, uh, it needs to be in really good hands from that point. I believe that's something that they're planning on. That's probably the biggest development. I mean, yeah. is, that a, is, is, that a, uh, <coughs> is that a Zoe Stewart? Is that Case and Connor? Is that Briley Pena? What are the, what's the role? Because the thing about it is – you saw Macy play a lot more off the ball this last year, uh-huh. yeah. and I thought it really freed her up, saved her body and her knees, because mm-hmm. that's just so much. It's just it is so much uh, required to bring the ball up. 
ask John Morant, ask Jonathan Stark, ask Cameron Payne. It takes a toll on your body to take those three-quarter beatings and come off of ball screens and and try to get into the lane and do whatever. There's just a lot of uh, wear and tear that comes with bringing the ball up the court so much. So, yeah, I mean, you make a great point. The 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 heir apparent or the close-to heir apparent uh, minus a summer of development mm. needs to be pretty clear moving forward. And I, that's I'm glad you brought it up, but you're right. I'm sure that's the number one thing they've got to start they've probably been thinking about. Mm-hmm. And it's why you see so many guards have been in this recruiting class. Right, right. So I'm looking, uh, yeah, you make a great point. Uh, looking forward to seeing kind of how some of that shakes out. And who knows, maybe with those women now in the Missouri Valley, clearly with everybody else, that maybe that leads to a really interesting tournament opportunity mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. I, I mean, you never know. Those are the types of things that are, that are beautiful experiences. Um, we mentioned these things, and then I wanted to just kind of stay more on to – some transfer news. I almost tweeted this out the other day. I wanted to be like, Murray State's getting a real big transfer coming soon. And then everybody would be thinking it's basketball when really it's just Jay Nemo. Oh, from, you know, yeah. two time KHSAA state champion and former Marshall County star, huge racer fan growing up. Now he is one. And um, I went to school with his dad. Did you really? I did. He was, I think, a year or two ahead of me. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. All right. So do you feel older? Do you. Do you Oh, that way beyond. He's not the first to make me feel old, man. Oh, okay. My my first uh, th- feel old was, uh, well, I have a moment here, was uh, Mark Hart, who did the games for me starting out in okay. uh, basketball. Mark was my color analyst. And a few years down the road, you know, I knew Mark's little kids. And a few years down the road, you know, he, he, he did other things, and I got different analysts. So we're at the uh, Executive Inn in Louisville. I guess, I don't know if it's still there or not, but it was there. And uh, I'm sitting doing some work on the hotel computer, which is publicly exposed out there, yeah. like in a thing. And this tall young man comes up and goes, hi, are you Neil Bradley? And like, yeah, yes, sir, I am. He goes, hi, I'm Mark Hart's son. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I want to <laughs> tell him, no, you're not, because he's like this tall. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> It's like, well, I, okay, so he's tall, so he's still in high school, I guess. Right. What are you doing? Oh, I, I'm in my uh, fourth year as uh, the manager of the University of Louisville women's basketball team, and we're staying at the hotel over Christmas break. Wow. So I was like, okay, I'm a thousand years old now. So <laughs> I, that's the first time I really felt that old. That's crazy. Uh, but. But it happens, Ed. You're, you'll have it happen to you, and you'll no, go, no. I'm starting no, to feel no, it, man. No, no, no. I, you know, I, and I say I'm starting to feel it. It's DJ Pig being announced as the new boys basketball coach at Crittenden County. What? Did it for me. No. Oh, did you not hear that? No, I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah, it happened last week. Holy shit. Sure smokes. did. I covered DJ Pig for four years as a high school basketball player. Uh, knew that he was going to be an assistant coach for a while. He is now the assistant, and that's you. Crittenden County, by the way, has been coached by Dennis Hodge for a long time. Damn. He's seriously, yeah. He is the Crittenden County boys basketball. See, my hope was him when he region. would go into college coaching and eventually end up at Arkansas as the head coach. I think that would be like awesome as heck. Oh wow, what a nice reference! That would just be the most awesome thing. Ever. Pig suey, yeah, that'd be good. Be like, yeah, right here. Yeah, but yeah, but high, but that's really good. Oink oink. Well, good for him. Yeah, he's a good he's a good kid. Was a was a fun player to watch. Too. DJ was a terrific player to watch in high school, and a lot of fun, a lot of confidence. Maybe too much confidence if he's listening. He, 
Whoa. Hey. <laughs> no. Oh, oh no, 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 no. I say that with much love. Man did not have a shot he didn't like. We always... Well, he's not the first yeah. to do that. Especially at the high school level. Yeah. He and I have talked a lot about that. His senior year, he was just like, you know what? I'm open. Didn't matter when. And if he had a hand in his face, it didn't matter. And and, and there, there was confidence there. And he's even talked about, eh, it took some bad shots. But he did. He can still he can still play. I mean, DJ still plays a ton of pickup. I've heard some some legendary stories, but no, wish him nothing but the best. But that's Good. that's my first feel old. Okay, so you and, got one too. And going back to Jay Nemo, Jay Nemo, DJ Pig, and Jay Nemo played golf together. Okay, Jay of course playing you know with with Marshall County and all that success and the regional championships. And of so course, how impactful will Jay be at Murray State? I, I mean, I honestly, so here I'm going to talk about some numbers really quick. So he didn't playing a ton of tournaments this year to played a decent winter schedule came into the spring played six tournaments 18 rounds he averaged a 74 his low round his low 18 was a 68 his low 54 was a 215 he had two rounds of par or better uh, which again as a freshman that's 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 part of it and his best <laughs> his best finish was tied for 33rd so i i mean he's young He's going to immediately help. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, and I'm going to mention it, he was going to come to Murray State regardless of the coaching change that just happened. Daniel DeLuca, of course, his family getting a unique opportunity in Central Tennessee. I believe mm-hmm. they're moving to Nashville. He's announced that, you know, he unfortunately had to resign. Mm-hmm. He'd have been in contact with, you know, guys like Nimmo, this, this roster that – you know that that put forth a really strong effort in the in the uh, last Ohio Valley Conference you know championship. So I think he's immediately going to contribute. I, I, maybe some of that's just bias. Maybe some of that's just mean knowing who he is as, an, as a kid and as a young man. I think he's going to immediately contribute. You look at the Marshall County line though of kids that have been so successful, and even now men mm-hmm. that have been oh, successful sure. yeah. at the Murray State level, both Newcombs. You had Quinn Eaton over the last, you know, four and a half, five years. Tyler Powell's currently on the team. Um, who else from Marshall County has been really good recently? And the Newcombs obviously stick out as the as the most successful. But, I mean, that recent pipeline of Marshall County golf talent. Um, I had Hunter York, I think, played for... You know, played so. for Murray yeah. State for a good while. On the women's really side, successful. They, had a, they had a girl named uh, Rochelle Cadwell that uh, played. Yeah, golf. yeah, she was pretty good. And she went on <laughs> to do something. Uh, what she do? Oh, basketball. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. That's but she right. did play golf at Murray State. Oh, man. Yeah. The Marshall County line for golf is, is a great connection. And I just, Jay's love for the university, and I, I've been told this, and I'm looking, I'm hoping I can talk to Jay at some point when things settle down for him do another podcast with him, but I wanted to mention just really quick that like Jay has literally lived Murray State athletics. Oh, sure. For quite yeah. some time. Mm-hmm. I know he loved Mississippi State. I don't think it's anything. I honestly, from everything that I've heard and everything that I've seen, like he's, I, he loved Mississippi State. I don't mm-hmm. think it's anything about some sort of like, oh my gosh, I, I can't stand this place. It's not where I want to be. There was just this tug of like, I gotta be home. You know, I gotta be. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I gotta be back where I mean, he grew up mm-hmm. here. And I think there's some allure here. And I want to mention this. And I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I just want to say it, and we'll see if it's right. 
I love the Ohio Valley Conference. I've said it once. I'll say it again. I've said it a million times. I know that hometown kids that sometimes maybe thought they just didn't want to stick around here for whatever reason, maybe the Ohio Valley Conference didn't appeal to them. I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know if that's right. But I wonder if the Missouri Valley leap is going to maybe keep some of the more local kids that jump to bigger levels. Will that keep them closer because the Missouri Valley is a percep is perceivably better right. than the Ohio Valley? I don't know. Again, I'm not trying to slander. I'm not trying to. I don't know if that's accurate. I'm just putting it out there. Is it actually a thing from a percep? Like, does a high school kid care? about the Missouri Valley versus the Ohio Valley. That's what I'm curious about. Yeah. From a competition standpoint, from an experience standpoint, when you tell somebody, I mean, you and I can talk about it. We love college athletics. You tell a football player right now in Western Kentucky, you can come play for Murray State, you're going to play North Dakota State now, or if, you know, unless they bounce to FBS or whatever. But you can tell them in two years, you're playing a national champion. Mm -hmm. You couldn't do that two years ago. And I think in other sports you can do that. You you sit here and you tell kids you can go play University of Northern Iowa, you know, in baseball and golf and tennis and whatever. Like, does that <coughs> matter more than saying you're going to be playing Austin P and UT Martin? I don't know. I'm not trying to knock UT Martin and Austin P. They have their own success in their own ways. I'm just saying from a regional standpoint for Western Kentucky athletes that sometimes escape to the next level, you tell them, hey, mm, you stay home. You're going to be playing some pretty tough opponents moving forward. Yeah. Again, win or lose, I'm not trying to change the field. I know that Ohio Valley Conference has its own tough opponents, but I'm just saying from a competitive standpoint, from a platform standpoint, does that change? Yeah. I, I don't know. Kids have a lot of reasons. Sometimes it's uh, uh, they go to a school because they have a major that they want. It's because of the education they can mm -hmm. get at this place. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a kid, this is many years ago, just to show you things that people never think about. Uh, we were hot on a kid in our football program that was from the area. And uh, he, he said, I'd love to come, but my parents uh, are separated. They fight all the time. I want to get away from it. I just want to go away. Wow. So, I mean, I would have never. But it's just uh, something that you never think of. And you can't recruit against that. You can't. What do you, I mean, what do you, you, there's no way to go against that. But, you know, you just had to kind of, and the kid ended up having success at the next level. But, that's something that comes into a, a effect from time to time. I'm glad you brought that up. There's but it, so but, many different but facets. It's rare, but I'm sure that's rare. But, I mean, you get that. You get maybe uh, someone that's close to a brother or sister that has special needs or something. They want to stay close to home. Or, you know, there's just a zillion reasons that sometimes you never think of. Like, oh, it's the SEC. Why come they're not going there? That's dumb. They had the offer. Why didn't they go? Well, they want to stay here and maybe help with the family, help with their grandparents or something that are in ill health. You just never know that. Never thought about that. I mean, I've seen it a couple of times over the years of covering sports and paying attention, but you're right. There are so many different undisclosed reasons. And, not, and that's the other thing, too. Not everything's disclosed. I Don't get me wrong. I believe in, in free information. I believe in everything trying to be as open and as transparent as possible. But when it comes to commitment and when it comes to making a decision on where you're going to spend one year, two years, four years, six years for college athletics and your education, whatever it is, there's just different reasons that go into all yeah. those different changes. You should be able to go, and now 
you should also be able to change your mind if you get there and go, oh, <laughs> I made a mistake or uh, they've made a coaching change and this guy is a moron yeah. or this woman is a moron. Yeah. As Well, uh, uh, the athletic. Did you see Dane O'Neill, uh, the Texas Southern? Uh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I read about half of that. Yeah. Uh, very enlightening. Uh, but if, if you were playing for someone like that at the men's or women's level, I could understand uh, maybe you want to play someplace else. Now, I want to counterbalance, too, because I know that it continues to be a big argument, um, and I know that it's a big, big discussion. Uh, the the other thing that I will probably spend a lot of my summer reading about, uh, because I'd like to absorb what's happening as we start to see this happening in real time, is the difference between pay for play and NIL. What is the difference? Where is the demarcation? And what? where do boosters draw the line? Or are they drawing the line? And what do administrators think from their perspective in trying to balance out where the rules are versus where the rules aren't? And that is just probably like a 15-episode podcast because I just... We knew that NIL was going to be a positive thing from bringing players' rights to the forefront and trying to balance out the, the system that just never existed. Um, but you say, you say these things, you're exactly right. The transfer portal has had some positive effect in the sense that if you are in a tough situation, if you are in a medical concern or you're in a bad locker room or your coach leaves – you can make that change. Um, uh, where do you draw the line? Well, today, you probably d- did see this. Uh, the SEC commissioner and the Pac-12 commissioner were at Congress today talking NIL. They want to see some sort of maybe legislation or legislative remedy to at least maybe, I don't know if it's even the playing field, but right now it's kind of out of control. It's a little chaotic. In, in, in terms of the pay for play. And uh, some people said, hey, I could see this coming. Who couldn't? And others said, I didn't know this was what it was going to be about. Right. But, but right now, it is. I mean, the one kid that I, that I saw, and I remember retweeting, and I don't remember the actual player. Uh, he was from Miami, though. He was yes. like, hey, if I don't get uh, X dollars, I'm, I'm entering the portal. And I feel bad for him because he's actually come out and said, he's come out and said, hey, I, and I'm going to look up the Miami player. He's come out and said, hey, uh, my agent's not speaking for me. Is that right? He went on social media. He's like, I don't. He was like, he's like, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with the fact that okay. we should all be paid. All right. He didn't tweet that though. Right. But I mean, he basically said, my agent doesn't speak for me and my all emotions. Right. Okay. Um. I just want to get the name. But he right. didn't deny that. Did they up his ante or did so, he transfer? So here's here's what ended up happening. Miami star Isaiah Wong. Yeah, he's he's there. He's one of their star player. Um. Well, it says he will stay with the Hurricanes and okay. will pursue more NIL deals after threatening to transfer. It appears, this is from David Cobb uh, of uh, CBS. David, actually former uh, Memphis Grizzlies beat reporter for the Commercial Appeal. Uh, he says Isaiah Wong will stay with the Hurricanes, pursue more NIL opportunities after threatening to transfer. Less than a week after, this is his lead sentence, uh, less than a week after landing one of the top transfers of the offseason in guard Nigel Pack. Uh, who scored an $800,000 NIL deal with Miami. The Hurricanes nearly lost another star wanting a raise of his own. Wong, who helped facilitate the Hurricanes' Elite Eight run, (laughs) threatened to enter the transfer portal Thursday, this was last week, Mm -hmm. over an NIL dispute before backtracking a day later. Wong's agent told ESPN his client would leave the Hurricanes 
if his NIL compensation wasn't boosted. Wong himself took to Twitter saying this. I'll, I'll quote his statement. I know sure. we're, we're we're off track here just a little bit from racer athletics, but I think it's impactful. Well, we want to talk NIL. Yeah. Here's a little bit about it. So Isaiah Wong said... The recent statements made without any authorization on my behalf do not reflect my views, and in no way was I willing to jeopardize my relationship with LifeWallet, which is his current NIL deal, or the University of Miami. After discussing the matter with my family, I was able to clarify my intentions and resolve any misunderstandings with both organizations and have since agreed to move forward with established agreements made prior to any confusion. My so, priority. So, so he wrote that. Oh, it sounds like it. Well, no, he didn't. He didn't. Write it's that. cl- that's true. <laughs> he did, buddy. But I will say this: he released it. He released it. My priority is to act with the highest level of character, character and integrity. Any further statements will be made by me personally. That part. He that part. I'm sure he wrote that part. Yeah. So going into this discussion, it's crazy though because I had already had people mention to me that well, it's like, well, what's going to happen? Where do you draw the line between what is nil? Where is the where's the veil? Yeah, I, I What's the difference between NIL and we need to know and representing an organization or an entity or a, a even yourself as a marketability standpoint mm-hmm. versus we're paying you X dollars because you average fifteen, five and four. Yes. At forty percent from the field. And that's where that's where you need these boundaries at least established. I don't sure. know if you draw them, but at least to know here's this, here's that, what you can do, what you can't do. Yeah. What's fair? What isn't fair? I mean, I'm all for the kids getting what they can. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, it's been kind of built on their backs for a while, I, so I don't have any issue with that. I'm good with it. But um, the the imbalance of, uh, I mean, hey, we have two or three players that have good years. Like, hey, we can get you 1.5 million if you'll come next year, huh? It's tough to turn that down. It, right. It'd be tough for me to turn that down if I was in school. Well, and here's the crazy uh, thing it, about not it. That it: not that it would be tough. I it wouldn't. Might, it might be what counterbalances G League opportunities for the NBA and other mm-hmm. professional sports that say you come play for us, but you're not ready for the next level yet. We'll give you sixty, seventy thousand. Yeah. Uh, oh, or I can stay in college athletics where it's getting real fun and there's a lot of money to be spent. Yeah. And we're staying. Yeah. Does that reinvigorate college athletics, or does it spoil it? Well, it will probably at the top of the levels. The ones that got the money, it'll reinvigorate them. And I know that that continues to be a concern, not just at Murray State, but other mid-major programs, that maybe it's like, well, where is this money going to come from? How are we going to secure that type of money? How are we going to illuminate opportunities? I think that opportunity does reside at the mid-major level. Sure, Maybe I'm not going to try and speak ghostly here because at some point, if somebody wants to come forward and say, I'm giving $1.5 million to Murray State and I want it to stand for NIL, they're allowed to do that. That is a legal thing that they can do now. Mm-hmm. However, sure, I, I don't think $1.5 million is right behind a curtain somewhere like oh. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I, I don't, not for, not for many schools. Yeah. Uh, I understand that the budget for lots of Power Five, that certainly is available. I understand at the mid-major level, that's not available. Those things were always separate anyway, though. That's the we knew that the budget for Power Five schools was bigger than mid-major schools. The difference was, in my opinion, the money wasn't on the table. I just, just yeah, my opinion. I, I could be wrong, but it's like now the money's on the table. Now you're having people having to show their cards, and you're just like, oh, Florida had that much money to give, mm-hmm. uh, legally or illegally. Now some of well, it is legal. legal. Yeah. Now you're wanting to find the lines of, well, how much are you actually going to be able to spend? Right. So, I mean, we've just scratched the surface. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, quite frankly. 
Oh, I, I think there will be something to come down somewhere. I don't know sure. if it's going to be national legislation or anything along that line. I'm not sure, but but right now, it's uh, it's really kind of a crazy crazy world out there with the NIL. It is, and I'm looking forward for us following yeah. it. We'll yeah. we'll talk about it over the summer, yeah, and just hopefully they'll establish some guidelines for it and uh, make it a little easier for everybody to follow along. Yeah, at least there's and under, it'll be good for the kids. Some some sort of understanding. Yes. I, I, maybe maybe a playbook. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because we don't have one yet. Um, speaking of speaking of like nil and rich things like diamonds, uh, it's a perfect time to transition to baseball and softball. Um, Reds? No, oh, God, I said baseball. Shit. I don't cuss much on this podcast, but shit, you just did. Yeah, twice. I did twice. Shit, Neil, three times. Three. Yeah, three times. That's how many times the Reds have That's won. That's how many wins you get once. Twice, three times of bread. Okay. Again, Clydesdales and beer, Ed. We still have it. Come I on need over. a Clydesdale and a beard. Come on over. And I need to ride off a cliff because that's where we are right you now. You don't have to change colors of your shirts. Oh. I'll just get you some tape and we'll write <laughs> cardinals on there. Okay, that actually would be kind of funny. <laughs> I might do that one time where I'm wearing my Reds t-shirt and I just yeah. take duct tape and I write cardinals. You have one with a big C, we'll just put cardinals out beside it. It's not that hard. The C for the Reds and it just be cardinals. Put, yeah, just put, yeah. That's awful. Put the Ardinals right there and there you go. There you got it. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because it's so hideously beautiful it would be it would work actually it sadly it would work if i were to do that just in the middle of the game go to a cards reds game we're down 19 to 3 because that just tends to be the going rate these days uh, 18 to 4 is what milwaukee yes. blast yeah yesterday right yes thank but you but today they held them to 10 so they're they're improving <laughs> 10 to that's, 5 that's quite right an improvement. and so just in the middle of a game like the seventh inning stretch i just get up take a piece of tape tape it to my Cincinnati Reds shirt just write Cardinals I would rue the day Neil but it's funny to just imagine me doing that there'd be a $10 beer in it for you <laughs> $10 I'm sure that's what they are maybe uh, they're more I don't know you'd buy me a ugh, I'd douse myself in it and just wallow in my misery so okay speak, speak, you said baseball and softball I'm sorry no, I got you're you good. It's, I'm glad you brought it up because we were going to talk about it later and I'm just glad we got it out of the way it's like ripping a band-aid off except at 3 and 22 it's like Ripping off, oh. I don't know. It's like acupuncture reversed. I, it's just in my eyeballs. It's awful. And Votto's hurt and got COVID and and everybody's hitting like the Mendoza line. Like not just a few people, like literally the entire roster. And it doesn't matter if the pitching's good because it doesn't matter because we have no offense. So anyway, uh, and the pitching's not good actually. So I'm not even gonna. It's not even worth discussing. Three and twenty-two. We're bad. The cards are not, and the Brew Crew are not, and whatever. The Cubs are decent, and we're worse than Pittsburgh, Neil. We're worse than Pittsburgh. So that's uh, that's where we're the worst team in baseball. The Orioles, Neil. Orioles tickets at Bush Stadium right now for the Cardinals are what like fifteen bucks a pop. Well, it's a it's a special sale sponsored by somebody. I don't yes, care. They do the have, Cardinals are like they what, even have five dollar ones. But they do that every year. That's better than... It's, I have tickets for three games next week. The Orioles are better than the Reds. Yeah. Neil. Yeah, I know. What the... Yeah, I know. Don't it, say it. it Don't I'm not going to do it. It makes me want to, though. Uh, so, speaking of dismal, but then not dismal, there was a tough situation with Murray State Baseball in which I believe they were, what, 1-8? Yeah, they were. OVC play? They, and after having a pretty good non-con schedule. Yeah, it looked bad. Guys, they're not one and eight. No. 
They have won nine of their last ten games. And and three straight series. I mean, absolutely phenomenal work to dig out of a tough hole. You finish five hundred in conference play, you're you're in the tournament for yeah. sure. Um but after a really rough start to OBC play in which you were swept by Belmont, you were swept by Southeast Missouri, you turn around, you sweep UT Martin, you take you well, you sweep Eastern Illinois, who at that time I believe was in first place, if I'm not mistaken. And that was just 17 runs, 15 runs, 24 runs. Those are yeah. football scores. 17 to 10, 15 to 9, and 24 to 20, which what? Played at a junior college field with the wind blowing out, I think. It well, a, everybody wow. took advantage of yeah, it. Oh, they, yeah, they I did. Mean, but, it, but, I mean, they won the games. That's yeah. what they went to do, and they won. That's yeah, awesome. They, they, they won the games. And then they took two of three against SIU and then just beat – or against SIU Edwardsville and then just beat Southern Illinois, a future Missouri Valley opponent, and a big, big series this weekend – Against Austin P. Big series in Clarksville. Yeah. So. Final meeting as OVC opponents. Wow. And, then uh, you... I'm going to be there Saturday. I'm going to go uh, watch them play. Okay. Uh, the wife's heading to Target, dropping me off. It's a great Target. So I, uh, yeah, I would have been, I love baseball. I'd be with your wife. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd go to the Target. Uh, it's Target. It, it's it's, it's Walmart with this different colored label. And it's that's why you call it, it Target. It's Target. It's, it. it's beautiful. All right. Let's go with some stats real quick, particularly for this squad, and and really probably where you can tell the difference for Murray State baseball. And I've definitely you know spent some time catching some highlights. You have, well, first of all, the only player who's played all forty four games is Bryson Bloomer, uh, and in forty four games he's hitting two fifty one, but he leads the team with eleven homers and fifty two RBI. Boom. I How mean, many games? In in. Uh, 44. That's amazing. Yeah, 11 homers and 52 RBI. Neil, I didn't know if you had any insights specifically. 15 stolen bases, that's the other thing. Dave Winder said this, team's got speed. You got 99 stolen right. bases. You've only been caught out of 111 attempts. You've only been caught 12 times. That's, I mean, that's an amazing percentage. That's an amazing percentage. I mean, that's the one positive outside of the tough start to the OVC yeah. slate. I mean, not only have you righted that ship record-wise – you're flat stealing bases. I mean, my God. Jordan Holly, 17 of 19. Bryson Bloomer, 15 of 15. Brennan McCullough, 17 of 20. And then you have Jake Slunders, 21 of 23. Holy moly. That's terrific. I mean, yeah. to have that percentage in stealing bases is, I know that's a small stat to kind of look at, very nuanced. People think the stolen base is like a, not a thing. It's definitely a thing with this team. Mm -hmm. Definitely a thing. Um, and it puts a lot of pressure on uh, the defense, uh, a lot of pressure on the pitcher uh, when trying to hold runners on, can take his mind off of the batter. Uh, there's a lot of dividends that speed can pay for you besides the tangible speed, uh, getting guys home from first base and a gapper uh, on a single that m they might not score on. It's it's amazing. And you've seen the ERA over the last – and I know the EIU series probably blew some of this out of proportion, but you have seen the Team RA kind of dip a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Uh, what's the biggest thing you're looking for this weekend? Because from a standings perspective, I yeah. mean, you're very much in the thick of things. Sure, sure. Oh, you, again, anytime you have a series, you want to win the series. So two out of three at a minimum, you want to win that. Want to take the series against the governors? Uh, you always want to sweep, but 
thinking sweep every time is usually in baseball. That's kind of unrealistic. But uh, they're going to use the old – I can hear him say it already. Skirka, one game at a time. They want to win the first one, then the second one. Then you can think think sweep. But the thing is, they, they're playing well enough to sweep, uh, playing well enough to win the series. And uh, I think to keep the momentum going, they, at a minimum, need to at least win the series. Here's the tough thing about it, Neil. We were talking about their tough start to conference play. Conference has been a little wonky right now. You have SEMO at 13-5. and five. They're 9-0 and at home. That's where they've been so right. good. Mm-hmm. Belmont, 10-5. and five. Eastern Illinois, 9-6. and six. Moorhead State, 8-7. and seven. And Murray State, 9-9. Nine and nine. Yeah. You're very much in the hunt. Oh, sure. There's not a team. You know, that one, uh, what, a couple of years ago, Tech was just like, oh, uh, it doesn't wins. matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're, they they were going to the they yeah. were going to the NCAA field they anyway. They came to Murray right? State. I remember they were really good. I'm like, well, let's just see how good they are. And it's like, okay, yeah, they're really good because mm-hmm. they just pounded the racers. And the racers weren't that bad, but Tech was just awesome. There's not that team this year. Mm-hmm. Well, and you have Murray State has 25 wins. We talked about how good their non-conference schedule had been. They have 25 wins. They have the fourth most wins in the league. 28 wins each for Eastern Illinois and Belmont. And then Southeast Missouri, 30. So, I mean, you're really – Tech, Tech, speaking of Tech, is 6-9. and nine. They're 22-19. and 19. You have – look at this right. And Austin P 7-8 and eight in conference play, but they had a tough non-conference schedule. You have, Neil, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 6 teams – that have a 500 winning percentage or better yeah. in conference play. You just, or, just, or just in, in general. To stay out of that first round, the uh, single elimination round, where you play a game and you're out. Yeah. So you want to stay the hell out of that. So want to pivot super quick, too. Want to give a little quick ba- quick uh, softball nudge. You've got Moorhead State this weekend for Murray State softball. I said two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Neil, that 40 wins was possible if you sweep – Moorhead, which is a possibility. I know Moorhead's a little better this year, but you, you certainly hope. Uh, matter of fact, that's at home, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. I hope to go Sunday to the game. See, Sunday. you're going to be yeah. Call call Neil Bradley if you want to. Oh, I don't. If you want to hear, but that's what I'm hoping to do. What he's got going on this weekend because he's going to be in the diamond all weekend. Beautiful weather, by the way, for yeah. for those for those who inquire. Preheat because next week oh, the it's heat's be, coming. Yeah, the heat is on. It's coming. Yeah, so Murray State softball is 19-6. and six. They've won three straight. They are 16-2-1 at home, by the way, for those who are keeping count. They are 35-14-1. For those who inquired. Yeah, for those who inquired. Yes. Exactly. Great plug. They, you... How many wins they have? 35. 35, okay. They sweep this so weekend. they got a shot. They got a shot at 40. I, I said it two weeks ago. I said yeah. if they could just maintain that 40 was attainable mm-hmm. and let's see they lost an eight inning affair against austin p uh lost that double header actually both two one run tough losses then they lost the closing game took the series against semo but lost the closing game so there was a three game losing streak there from april 24th to the 27th that wednesday double header two one three four three you win one or two of those and 40 definitely is within reach but you got to think there's the possibility for that softball in IT. You got to think there's the NCAA tournament that's always also mm-hmm. a possibility to grab another win. 40 wins is within grasp. And I, I mean, you don't want to look too far ahead. But uh, if, I mean, if you're Coach K, Coach Amundsen, I, I hope you got 40 circled somewhere, just 4 0. And uh, just be like, you know what? Let's, we could do this. Cause I mean, it's already been a historic season. 
if you could get to that that magical 40th win, that would be phenomenal. And statistically, softball's been really good. Uh, you and I have talked about it, but you take a look at what you've got going on right now for them. Not only are they good at home, you still have, by the way, Logan Braunmeier has 22 doubles and nine homers. Gracie Osborne has 16 doubles and eight homers. Sierra Gilmore has 15 homers and five doubles. And then you have, gosh, you have four players, five, six, seven, seven players batting 270 or better. Yeah, that's been the problem. They fixed the offense from last year. And that's what you and I have talked about over and over and over. They've done such a great job offensively, and then the pitching – I'm just going to mention it again. Yeah, yeah, James. They didn't really have to do much with it, but at least maintain. But I think it's better this year. Neil, at this point, Hannah James. I was just the Hannah James tracker. She's 18 and four with a or with a uh, 124 ERA. That's that's really ballooned. Wow. (laughs) Goodness. Really ballooned. I'm an idiot. I'm a dipshit. She is you know 152 and two thirds innings. She has 192 strikeouts and 20 walks. The 20 walks to me is phenomenal. How do you throw like that and only walk 20 people? Yeah. You've walked 20 people in 31 appearances. You've walked 20 batters in 152 and two-thirds innings. Wow. That's... Teams are hitting... She's given up eight homers, whatever. Teams are hitting 163 against her. That is microbial. She has heat, and you're swinging to a a spot. And when you do make contact, it will go. So that's why she will give up a homer now and again. But most of the time... There's no one on base. No, not at all. Not at all. And then you have Jenna Weber that's like, she's got a 160 ERA. What? 13. The slacker. I know, right? <laughs> 160. Yeah. 160. That's insane. 13 and seven. She has a seven losses because of some tough, you know, yeah. some, some, some tough games. That's still some games. great numbers. Yeah. 118 in a third innings pitched. She's given up. Teams are hitting 243 against her. She's only given up six homers, and she has 64 strikeouts and just 12 walks. You have th- between... Between all four pitchers, because you've had Cameron Carsage and I think it's pronounced Emma Alaniac. It is now. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> you you give you've given up sixty three walks in forty eight games, like one point two five walks per game. It's very good. What are you doing? What is the secret sauce? I don't know. They just need to keep that up. Yeah. Team give ERA. Them a chance to win games. Yeah. Team ERA is one sixty two. That's insane. Unbelievable, Neil. Well, let's close with this. So, but if I needed to get, is there a sign that points to where the softball field is? There is. Well, heck. I, I think there is actually. It's set. Yeah. I if think you get there into is town, a, look for the signs. Look for the signs for, for yeah. Racer Field. Um, if not, it's behind the big football stadium. <laughs> that says Stewart Stadium. There's a sign for that. Yes. So, uh, the last time you and I talked, Ja and Cam, Ja Morant and Cameron Payne, we're both kind of locked into these decent series, really, really tough series. Minnesota and Memphis was really good. Uh, Phoenix certainly was navigating its own troubles against the New Orleans plucky Pelicans, as uh, you know they 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 certainly gave uh, they certainly gave the Suns all they could handle. And of course, they had to deal with injuries with Devin Booker and so on and so forth. Book comes back, they close out the series. Two things that are definitely worth mentioning. Uh, John Morant in the first round, by the way, and these are just some averages, just throwing some numbers out there. Yeah, let's have a little fun with it. Jaw averaged 21.5 points per game, 10.5 assists per game, and 8.7 rebounds per game. And oh, by the way, after the series said he didn't play that well. Well, 
I will have to agree with him. There was a couple of games that I, 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 I've interviewed John many times after games, and he's the first one that'll tell you, "Hey, I didn't play well." I promise. He thought he thought that, and he he's correct. I think offensively there were some, you know, just maybe just Minnesota just walled up and yeah. said, "We're going to make it tough on mm-hmm. you." He did shoot thirty nine percent from the field, only twenty percent from three. Um, made his free throws, but I think a couple times there was some struggle there. Five out of 10, 11 yeah, out of 17. That's where I noticed some issues. You know, just wasn't, took a couple hard falls, but like every winner does. And again, I know, I know we talk a lot about John. I'm, I'm going to keep talking about him. I mean, he's a terrific basketball player, one of the best in the world. What John ended up doing was averaging a crap ton of assists. He's like, okay, I can't get it done. They're taking me away. How can I help the team? With Steven Adams not a big part of the rotation during that series, John was consistently their best rebounder. Mm-hmm. So he was their best rebounder, and he averaged 10.5 assists per game. I don't know how else. He, twice in the series he scored 30 points. And I know both of those times he shot under 45%. Didn't he have a 15 or 16 assist game or something like he that? He had a 15 assist a 15. game, okay. and they lost. That's yeah. the game they lost, 119-118. And that was a tough loss, and that was at Minnesota. So that's what I'm saying. Like those are the games, though, that it's like he did try to do everything else when nothing else was working. Right. You know. And we've we've seen that guy time and again, Neil. We fast forward quickly to the Golden State series, currently tied one one, and uh, yeah, it's been a different story. Uh, First game uh, was a tough one, though. That was a tough loss. That's a tough loss, and he had such a great defensive play on the final. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the final layup. Yeah. I mean, Clay Thompson got a piece of it. Yeah. You go he, look at the tape. He he blocked it. He had he pushed uh, it off. This is the shot they wanted, though. I mean, oh, sure. That's Coming the shot. Coming downhill. Heck yeah. Had the guy beat. Gonna and win he had the game. Clay beat. Yeah. And it just didn't fall. First game, you know, 34 points, 10 assists, nine rebounds. Yeah. He, he had a great game. 45% from but the field. But he wanted to hit that last shot. And yeah. You could see him hanging around the basket. You could tell he was like, just can't believe. I didn't hit it. I didn't make that layup. He just made it in this previous series. Like, uh, young man, if you didn't score a bunch of the others, that wouldn't have made any difference. Yeah. <laughs> but to him, it was on his shoulders. Yeah. And I could tell it was. Yeah, he he, he wanted to make the game-winning play. Yeah. So then uh, in game two, he went for 47. See, I told you he wouldn't get 50. <laughs> but I didn't know he'd get 47 either. Neil, yeah. <laughs> he was amazing. He's Neil. He's in the, the fourth quarter, he's he, like... He's only... There are only – yeah, he scored the final 15 points of the game. Yeah. He literally took over the game. Unbelievable. And, yeah, were there, there were a couple of defensive miscues. Sure. There were a couple of scenarios where I thought Golden State's, you know, experience was going to pay off. They they kept taking the lead. Steph kept making shot after shot. So, Ja had to keep making shot after shot. And after they were down in the final two minutes, they went on a 13-5 to run. And, again, he scored the final 15 points. Memphis. By the way, the list of guys that have done the 47, 8, and 8 as young as he has, it, real it, if short. You've, if you've had some accidents with firecrackers or hand grenades, you'll still probably be able to to name to uh how many? It's it's uh four? I I'm, think he's yeah, he's one, and I think there's three others. Yeah. And th- those guys, as I recall, aren't bad. No. No, because I'm pretty sure it's uh, LeBron, Kevin Durant, and who's the other one? 
Michael Jordan's done it, but I don't think he was that young. But it was LeBron, Kevin Durant at that age. And then was the other one? Oh, my gosh. I got to find it. I'm going to look for it. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I can't remember who the third one is, but it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, absolutely ridiculous that he was able to do that. Just ridiculous and phenomenal and just absurd. You know what? We're going to look up the retired Jeff Bidwell. <laughs> because Jeff actually talked about it the other day. Okay. So, Ja, by the way, went for 47, 8, and 8. According to that, that's whatever. And that's it. Yeah, it was Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and John Moran. I thought Kevin Durant did it too. Ah, here's where I got it. So in tonight's, and this was in, in the win, John went for 47, 8, and 8. Here's the list of other players that have gone for at least 47, 8, and 8 in a playoff game. Oh, that's a 47, you're 8, right. and 8, yeah. Yeah, that, you're right about the youth. The youngest yeah. to do it, 23 or younger, is Kobe Bryant, John Morant, and LeBron James. LeBron James. Multiple 45-point games or more. Before 23. That's insane. Yeah, it's pretty good company. So here's the guys that have done 47, 8, and 8 in a playoff game ever. LeBron twice, Michael Jordan, Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook twice. That's it. That's it. And then that's all that's ever done that. Players average at least 25, 7, and 7 over their first 13 career playoff games. Luka, Oscar Robertson. John Morant. So that's, again, it's quite a list. But it, 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 And as I've told people, though, I know you think he's really good, and he really is. He is. But he isn't as good as he's going to be. That's Some right. of these shortcomings that you'll see in a game, he's going to work on that. And, oh, my gosh, I'm telling you, in another two or three years, you won't even recognize this kid. Drew, Drew Hill of uh, the the – uh, the Daily Memphian. He had, he had a really good nugget today that I thought was a really good stat. It's interesting. And again, I know it's not perfect. Josh struggles sometimes from the three point line. He does. Uh, he does. I, sure, he'll he'll tell you that. But the one thing that's actually really really interesting, and I want to go, I'm going to go get this nugget because I think it's really 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 worth mentioning. Drew went and dug out some some analytics, and one of the top things that's actually Kind of something interesting to think about moving forward is that John made 40%, and again, Drew Hill of the Daily Memphian, terrific Memphis Grizzlies beat reporter, um, terrific. John made 40% on 140 wide-open three-pointers in the regular season. Just where he's off the catch or created his own shot, was not contested, take the shot, we dare you. Mm-hmm. 40% on wide open threes. That is as accurate as Steph Curry and Donovan Mitchell. Goodness. Who are both elite three-point shooters. I'm not oh, saying excuse me. I'm not saying Ja is an elite three-point shooter. Right. That's consistently been probably one of his like struggles. Like mm, he's, he's sure. trying to find the open three, trying to get the open three trying to not shoot when you're contested, you know, make those decisions. He's a smart basketball player. I don't need to say all those things, but the, 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 the tougher three point shots, maybe he's not been able to make 
the wide open shots that he creates, he's as effective as some of the best three point shooters in the NBA. Yeah. So it's getting him open to make that happen. That you know, in this series so far against Golden State, he is thirty nine percent from three. He's made four and five in his first two games. Now. That's clearly something that Golden State. That's the best thing about an NBA yeah. playoff is that they're going to continue to to tweak and find ways yeah. to. Yeah, he's averaging 40, 40 and a half points per game, nine assists, and eight and a half rebounds, oh, and three steals in the first two games against Golden State. He's had his will and his way. If down the road he becomes deadly from three point, I don't know what do you do to stop him. Well, the thing about it is, I've talked about that before with some people. There will come a time, and I hate to say it because we just we all get older. Oh, sure. There will come a time where Jaw's explosion into the paint and his craftiness will have to be more Chris Mm Paul-like. He'll have to rely on that elbow jumper. He'll have to figure out how to get better from three. Derrick Rose did that. I mean, that Derrick Rose was not a great three-point shooter early in his career, despite his MVP numbers. He just was a, you know, tepid three-point shooter. Russell Westbrook has never been a great three-point shooter. He's found other ways to score in his older age. Ja will eventually have to find... Vince Carter did it. Mm-hmm. J- Carter, you know, Carter was l- just... would murder Rams. And then older Vince Carter had to find a way to, you know, extend his game and, you know, liven himself as a older basketball player. If Ja does this and grows at the three-point level, it's... Wow. What do you do? Yeah. You know? I mean, what do you do? Then all of a sudden, you're just buying more time as an older player. Oh, now he's going to sack. Now he's going to hit the three. Well, now at 36 years old, he can still wiggle in and still get a probably a good layup or a dunk. Yeah. Or like, I just, at what point is Ja going to lose his bounciness? I don't know. I'm not going to wish it away. It's yeah. unbelievable how bouncy he is right now. He's a 44 inch vertical. Yeah. But no, no time soon, though. No, but when he's when he's 40 years old or 38 years old, yeah, he's probably not going to have a 44-inch vertical. Would think so. But he might. You know, he's going to probably lean on LeBron, who has been able to just create some sort of longevity potion and continue to do what he does yeah. at his age. LeBron and I are the same age. He's six months older than I am. He's not supposed to be doing, which I'm no peak physical health. I'm saying LeBron is doing things from a longevity standpoint at his age that is forcing NBA players to rethink the concept of, well, what am I going to do at that age? How am I right. going to be that productive at that, you know, at that, at that part of my career? So Ja will do the same thing. Looking forward to the rest of how this series goes. I hate to go to, you know, cause you, you go to what Cam did. Okay. Before we continue, what the hell are they doing? Taking a lot three days off. Yeah. What the hell? I don't know, man. It's weird. I, I don't know. It's strange. Don't get me wrong. Everybody's going to be refreshed, and I love it, but, like, holy Cause, crap. Because I didn't really want to do the podcast, and I thought, well, I don't want to kind of watch Ja play. I know it would be late, but then I looked, and like, he doesn't play. No. He doesn't play tomorrow night. Nope. He does. He play. It's like, yeah, they don't play those okay. weekend. All right. And I think Phoenix Phoenix and Dallas is the same thing. Is that TV rule, do you think? I, I think it's I think it's just a spacing, and a, yeah. it's when they switch cities, and it's it's odd. Okay. Yeah, it's That's a weird. well. It's part of the reason why the NBA playoffs take all freaking summer. You don't have an NBA uh, champion until yeah, I know. the end of June. Yeah, I, and I'm not. And then they we, take two weeks off. Then they're back to training camp. They, they are. Playing, That's the quick turnaround. Yeah. You're right about that, and that, that's been a concern. I think that. But then there's the other counterbalance. It's well, if we're going to play this many NBA games and we're playing these best of seven series, uh, 
well, how do we space out in the summer? So, so that's why they play music during the game. <laughs> oh, no, it's got nothing to do with it. Oh, Neil, I love it. I'm, I'm proud of you, though. I'm glad you're watching the Racers play. We, fa- we, we flip I'm not over. i watching the Racers play. Well, you're, you're the racer, the two racers that oh, are in two, okay. the NBA playoffs. But, yes, that's the reason why you're watching. There you go. Um, Cam, Cameron Payne, I, I'm not going to lie. I know he knows. I know that he, he's talked a lot about it. Um, didn't have a great series against New Orleans. Had a couple of decent games. Um, certainly didn't, you know, didn't turn the ball over a ton uh, against the, the New Orleans Pelicans, but only averaged about six points, uh, one assist, one steal, one rebound after having, you know, basically been kind of a sixth, seventh man for – for, for Phoenix all season. I think New Orleans did a really good job just kind of neutralizing their bench and extending that series to six games. But then we jump right into the Dallas series. They're up 2-0, and he's had two – I know the plus-minus doesn't show it, but he's had two productive games statistically uh, and has kept them definitely in the hunt. They beat Dallas 121-114 in game one, and in game two they beat Dallas 129-109. And in both of those games – he had multiple assists, multiple points, multiple effort plays, um, and certainly is shooting a little bit better. These first two games against Dallas, 50% from the field in 16 minutes a game, six and a half points, four and a half assists, two and a half rebounds. Those are kind of more of the numbers right. that you would that, that I'm sure he's hoping to see. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you go, but you go listen to Cam's comments after this last series, and he, he even said, you know, I'm looking for a reset. It didn't. This season didn't go. You know, this series specifically didn't go well for me. And it didn't. He shot 31% from the field, 16% from three. He made three three-pointers. He went. He missed his first 12. And uh, when you're in such a limited role where you're only playing 18 to 20 minutes, important 18 to 20 minutes, mm-hmm. he was pivotal in their 64 and 18 finish in the regular season. But when you get to the playoffs, man, those roles shrink quickly if you're not. Right. Because the window's so tight. You can't, you know, New Orleans loses one more of those games, you're going to game seven. And they almost did. I mean, that was a, and that's when you start. You've got to really shorten the rotation in the playoffs. You don't have a lot of opportunity to make mistakes, right? You know, right. whereas a guy like Ja, it's a different role. He's going to make mistakes because he can play thirty-five minutes a game. Yes, yeah. You know, so that's the crazy thing about the NBA playoffs is so much can change from a matchup to matchup standpoint. I'm sure Cameron's got another double-digit performance in him at some point. He had a big twelve points two steals, three rebounds in game five against New Orleans, and uh, that put them up three to two. You know, he shot 40% from the field, made two threes, and uh, was pretty critical in in helping them win that game. But, uh, you know, I know, you know, he's got the playoff experience now, and, and that'll turn around. So I don't mean to speak ill of it. It's just he did not shoot well against uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, and now hopefully that's turning a leaf in the Dallas series. But at least he advanced. Oh, yeah. Surviving advance. Yeah. That's a main thing. Well, and that's the other thing too. Like you, um, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, they had to do half of that series without Devin Booker, mm-hmm. and I think that really changed their team. And instead of shoehorning Cam into the roster into the into the rotation, you know, Monty Williams had to really tinker with some things. And um, you know, those are the types of things that can cost a team. And yeah. you lose now, it's done. You know, that's that goes without saying. But say it anyway. That's that's why you shorten a rotation because you're in a do or die scenario and. After four games, a plucky—I've said it once—plucky Pelicans team is two and two. I mean, and they were thirty-six and forty-six in the regular season, but were completely different after acquiring CJ McCollum. And 
didn't do any of this was Zion, who is suddenly healthy. Yeah. So we'll see how they look next year. But, um, you know, they were just a different team after acquiring CJ, and that certainly tested the Suns. Yeah. So really looking forward. I, I said it about a month ago as we went into the playoffs. Really looking forward to seeing how these two racers continue to push in the rest of the the playoff scenario. Right. Because you never know. If Memphis, again, if Memphis beats Golden State and Phoenix wins this series against Dallas, it's Memphis and and uh, Phoenix. And the winner goes to the NC well the NC, the winner goes to the NBA championship game uh, series. Which is good. That means you'll have a racer in it. <laughs> Again. Which is good. It's good. I don't know who you root for. I've said it once and I like I said, I'm sure a lot of people are just kind of wondering, like, oh well, what do we how do we feel about that? <laughs> like what do we want to happen? But it's a win win scenario. It is. So that's the good part about that. Neil, final thoughts, man. You want to go ahead and razz me about the Cardinals? Go for uh, it. I, if yeah. if you'd switch right now, your team's up seven to one on the Giants in the seventh inning. So if you'd switch right now, you could back a winner and go, oh my gosh. You make it sound like it's like a and, and I can say we're winning seven to one, Ed. But right now it's my team's winning seven to one. Your winning. team got their ass handed to yes, them. Yes, it did. But uh, hold on, let's just what are we, what's going on right now? Yeah, because you're watching. We're in a commercial break. Right I, now, I so. by the way, for those who inquired, Neil has been not only very actively podcasting with me right now, but he's actively been watching the Cardinals well, a whip bit. up on the Giants. I'm not, not no, no, yeah. I I knew what you were doing. I was like, oh yeah, you're watching the baseball game, and I don't blame you. You should be. So as and by we, the way, there's a almost a full slate of games today. There's a ton of games. Yeah. And this is the only game pitting teams with winning records against one another. Wow. Which is weird. That is weird. Yeah. That's the only game. The only one. Tommy Edmond leading off three for four, three RBI. You just had a big four, a big four hung up in the seventh. Yeah. Yeah. O'Neill, two for four, two RBI. Oh, and you had a homer from Molina. <laughs> What do you know? Who, by the way, is hitting 232 with his OBP is 232. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, All right. He's not hitting well, but he's right now at his age, he's not being paid for the hitting too yeah, much. No, he's the best defensive catcher in baseball. It's not even close. He's he's the best defensive catcher in baseball. Man. I did see. Did you see that catch? on? It was on Kisner that Michael Taylor made yeah. for the Royals. Yeah. That had he not made it, would it hit a baby in the head? Yes. I did it, see that. If he doesn't make it, it hits a baby it in the head. It hits a baby. Yeah. I mean – Save the homer, but my goodness, what a deal. Is I'll give the Cardinals some love right now. I don't want to, but I'll do it. Okay, so you can watch your team. There's your new team, Ed. I don't want to watch my team. They're not my freaking team. All right. So I wanna I do want to talk about this though. Very briefly. Okay, very briefly. Get out of here. You're very watching brief. you're watching the Cardinals. I'll I'll give you the due. Okay. Is and it's early. I know it's early. We're only twenty five games into the season. Is Nolan Arenado on a pace to be the MVP? Well, he yeah, right now he is. Sure. But I mean, he's on a pace that's very difficult to to maintain. He's, hit, but he, he's, he's hitting, hitting 360 it. coming in this but game. But the thing, the thing he's doing, he's hitting it, and Goldschmidt has started to heat up a little bit, but he's been doing it with hardly no one around him hitting. He's been it. This class climbing the walls. I mean, he's literally climbing the wall. Yeah, he is climbing the wall. He, that's he really that's my cat. Um, Glad he chimed in here, by the way. But, but yeah, he was like, he's telling you to change. I, I could, I could speak cat. It says change, change. 
I'm climbing that the wall. That is kind of what it sounded like. Climbing the wall. Here you complaining about your team. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be difficult for him to maintain. Uh, and But, again, he's been putting up the numbers with not a lot of support around him. There's a lot, there's a lot of Cardinals not really hitting real well. Aaron Otto is second in Major League Baseball in RBI, which, by the way, I'm not even going to get that argument. We're not that's doing that separate, anymore. That's a whole separate podcast. Uh, it's another podcast. It's, it's, we'll do that in the summer. It's 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 RBI. It's it's not yeah, RBIs. Whatever. I know. I'm an idiot. Uh, Jose Ramirez is number one. And then you have – yeah, that's it. Wow. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, Harrison Bader is uh, uh, third in the league in stolen bases with six. There's the Those are coming back, right, in Major League Baseball. A little bit. There's little, been a few guys that have stolen them. Um, and, yeah, that's it from a statistics standpoint uh, for the Cardinals. But, yeah, I had just seen some chatter, and apparently the first eighth of the season, first or first, really first – yeah, about the first eighth of the season, you wonder if Nolan Arenado was going to – if he even does like 75% of that for the rest of the yeah, season. Yeah, it'd be big. And the Cardinals make the playoffs, you know, which they probably will. I am just well, yeah, they really, will. Everybody's in it. Well, true. But I'm just saying you win 65% of your games. Does he go in as an MVP favorite? Probably would. I said everybody. Not everybody's going to be in it, but right. most teams will be in it. Yeah, the Reds will be. I can think of a team that will not be yeah, in it. Yeah, I can think of one. <laughs> Yeah, I can think but of one, your too. team could be in it if you'll switch right now. I can't do it. Neil, you sound like a Baptist preacher like when you say those types of things. You're like, if you switch right now, if you come to the light, you can feel it. I love it. Speaking of that, you've heard my complaint about the church at the south end of town, right? What's the church uh, that went in there where the grocery store was there? It's oh, it's a, it's a purpose church. Yeah. Journey yeah. church. Yeah, I, I just purpose don't, church. Purpose church is what yeah. it's called. I mean, come on. What they, what they put the sign up for. They had the perfect sign, save a lot. They should have never <laughs> changed the sign. They should have just never changed it. They oh got the sign right gosh. there. Neil, just save a lot. That's gold. And But no, let's put Purpose Church up there. Neil, that's a perfect time to end this I podcast. Mean, that's okay. phenomenal. Right. Save a lot. That is absolutely fabulous. Folks, we've run out of time here, <laughs> and lightning will strike at any moment. So it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. Neil, we'll talk soon. And I got to think, man, every time we go about 10 or 11 days without a podcast, something magical happens. got like happens. nine players now, though, right? <laughs> I mean, you had you nine. Five scholarships left yeah. in men's basketball. Yeah. So, so, I mean, we 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 almost could play shirts and skins <laughs> if we wanted to. Neil, you're on fire, man. Literally, you're on fire. Okay. The lightning has already struck you. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. And like I said, the next time we talk, I, like every 10 or 11 days, something magical happens. So. All right. And by the way, Moon Knight sucks. But, oh, uh, my gosh. All right. On that note, we'll see you.